to say that there's no emotion in business is, is crazy, crazy. Um, yes, we need to pay attention to numbers. We need to look at the bottom line. That's definitely a way to gather information, but the, that needs to be combined with the, the relationships that we have with one another and whether or not we feel trust, whether or not we feel secure around one another, whether or not we feel intrigued by one another. And think about the number of times you've gone into business with somebody just because you're like, I think that person has something that I want. Not necessarily their product, but how they are. Welcome to the Life Athletes Podcast, where those who succeed in the gymnasium of life share their stories, experiences, and strategies for personal growth and development. Remember, it's never a good time to take a vacation on your development. So let's start now with your host, Alejandro. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so glad you are here, and I hope that you are doing well today. You're going to get a lot out of today's show. I can tell you that right now. My guest is Charles Matthews, and Charles was referred to me by one of my previous guests, Tom Check. And I got to tell you, the conversation that we had with Charles, oh my goodness, there's so many nuggets that we'll be able to pull out. I will say that it is geared a little bit more toward men. So fellas, this one is for you. Ladies, I think it's okay for you to listen to this as well. I think you might learn a lot about guys, a lot about what we think about, a lot about what we need to process, and maybe a lot about where we need to grow and maybe where you can support us because Charles will and I will cover some of those things. Let me tell you a little bit more about him. Charles has over 35 years experience as an educator, wilderness guide, and team leader, and he's mentored and taught thousands, we're talking thousands of teens and adults in effective communication, overcoming challenges, and compassionate leadership. He has helped found several nonprofit and for-profit businesses and was chairman of the Board for Boys to Men USA, which is a national nonprofit dedicated to increasing intergenerational mentoring opportunities for boys. He also uses his social media, strategic planning, and group facilitation skills to run a podcast production company and to promote sustainable community development. His podcast, Here.Together, is one that you should definitely subscribe to. So enough of the preview. Let's get to the interview. One, two, three, four. Busted. Charles, it's great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Alejandro. I'm, I'm excited to have a conversation with you. I'm really glad uh, your previous guest, Tom Check, my, my friend, referred, referred us to each other. When he speaks highly of somebody, I go, oh, okay, I better, I better find out about this Alejandro guy. Well, I'm glad you're taking the time to do it. I want the audience to get a little bit more meat around your background because you've dedicated your life to to educating and, and helping others out. So tell me a little bit about that journey and, and what got you here. Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's, it's really a, a, the classic hero's journey. You know, my, my dad died when I was 10. And so I was always looking, not really knowing it, but I was always looking for some male role models. And my mom, my single mom saved up enough money to send me off to a, a month long sleepaway camp up in the Pacific Northwest. I grew up in Arizona. And, the, and I was 14, which is a little old to be going to summer camp, but it was perfect for me, Alejandro. It was like right when I was forming who I am um, and to be around those, those men who were dedicated in their lives to mentoring kids as well. That was really, uh, that was a, a strong formative experience for me, seeing these guys 
opening themselves up to young people, working on creating character and virtue and grit and determination. And it's like, you know, I'm a little scrawny 14 year old carrying a backpack for the first time and the, the, the straps cutting into my shoulders as we hike up the, the Cascade Mountains and I'm crying, but I would follow those guys anywhere, right? Like I can see their, I can see their boots, you know, ahead of me on the trail forever and ever. I'm still following those guys. I'm still following the example of those guys who were um, strong and present, but also really open and vulnerable, you know, allowing themselves to be amazed by the natural world, allowing themselves to be excited around younger people, allowing themselves to discover new things with young people. And that's what always happens, right? When I'm around young people, and I'm guessing you know this too, there's just constant discovery going on. Nothing is ever stale. Nothing is ever uh, old. Uh, They're discovering it brand new. They come up with, they say things... (laughs) They say things I never would expect them to say. And so that's always been exciting. So I'm following in the footsteps of of the people who mentored me. And, you know, it gives me a life of, of purpose and meaning to work with, to work with young people, whether they're, whether they're 14 or 19 or, or 28. Um, I'm always really excited to be around people who are discovering new things. So then you've spent a lot of time in this space and our podcast yeah. is devoted to, to development and yeah. different types. I mean, this pertains to us in the workplace, in family, everywhere we show up in life because development affects every area of our life. Right. So what do you think is the fundamental cornerstone? When, when you think development, maybe somebody here is listening and they're beginning to explore these things, or maybe they're a journeyman, journey person yeah. in, on that road. But what do you see as foundational when you think of development, that cornerstone piece. Yeah, well, my friend Jess Stickle, and she's a head of curriculum development at the local school district and a, and a coach as well, and a coach for adults as well. She talks about human development being one of the foundational psychological needs of a human. And it's, it's, it's paired, you know, just like uh, there's a paired need for novelty and a pair, and that's paired with safety, right? We want new things, and we want to be safe and secure. We want to we want to sit on the couch and not do anything new, but sometimes we want to go travel. And you know, everybody has different different sliders on that need. But another need is that need for development and um, growth and purpose, and it's paired with this fear, right? There's the kind of the truism that says, you know, we never change until the pain of remaining the same is worse than the fear of, of changing. And so I think we're all driven. And, and if I, I'm just going to go ahead and get really woo-woo with you right here, Alejandro. It's like, I believe that we're all here with a gift. And this is one of the things that's motivated me to do this work is because I get to see people discover their gift, whatever it is. Um, you know, my wife's gift is that she's able to do things with her hands very slowly and creatively as an artist and nobody else, nobody else can do it the way she can do it. Uh, your gift is clearly this passion that you have for development. So, you know, my belief is that we showed up with those, with those gifts and that, you know, our soul is here to, to facilitate that transfer of the gift to everybody else. And what happens so often is that our ego gets in the way of that and our ego gets 
comes up with unhealthy development and fear and anxiety and maybe even you know get some bad ideas about how oh, i've got to have a i got to have a fast car i got to have a big house i got to have you know this much money in the bank i got to have these accolades that are all a little separate from what the soul really wants and so the job my job has been in my own life to not to get rid of my ego. My ego is important. My ego knows how to, how to work in the world, right? It knows the rules of the world. But to craft a healthy ego that can be in service to my soul and my gifts. So that's, that's the field that I'm playing on. And that's the field that I play on with, with young people and with, with older folks is like, let's craft that healthy ego that is has less fear or is at least able to take a seat next to fear and say, hey, I see you fear. I see you anxiety. I see you. Okay. So, all right, great. But this is what we're going to do because we have, we have something greater to give. Uh, we have something that the world needs that the universe needs for sure. So tell me, I'm finding it interesting that you said that this is a need that we have. Yeah. However, many times I meet and we're going to talk a little bit about men a lot in, in this podcast yeah. because you certainly yeah. work with, with a lot of guys. Yeah. Why is it that a lot of guys, I know even growing up, yeah. don't think about it or yeah. it's not something that they are intentional about or they think yeah. it's foo-foo, like, oh man, yeah. this is yeah. just, come yeah. on, give yeah, me a yeah, break. What do you think has led to that? Yeah, I got a lot of ideas on that. And, you know, and first of all, let's just celebrate what's happening right here, right now, Alejandro. Like you're in a billion dollar, relatively traditional company. You're at Emerson and you're talking about these things. So that's, you're talking about these things that are a little woo-woo and you're talking about human development as something that's crucial. That's awesome. That wouldn't have happened 50 years ago at Emerson is my guess. This is great. I mean, this is fantastic that you're talking about this. Um, and why guys shy away from that? You know, I, I went clothes shopping yesterday. <laughs> and I'm in, the, I'm in the fitting room by myself and I got all of this self-doubt and all of this just like, oh, this doesn't fit. My belly's too big. I just like all of this shame and embarrassment about, about picking clothes. And is this the right color? Is this, is this going to look good? I don't know. And women always talk about how much they you know, I love, a lot of them love shopping, but they hate trying on clothes and all they talk about all of the anxiety and, and disgust that comes up for them as they try and find stuff that fits. You know, there's a whole, there's whole episodes of, of, uh, uh, what do they call them? TV shows, funny ones, com comedies, I can't comedies. remember, sitcoms, sitcoms, mm -hmm. you know, whole episodes of sitcoms that are about like, you know, the pair of jeans and how the pair of jeans made that woman fit. I'm like, I, this is, this is no different from what women go through, but men just don't do it. We just stay away from stuff that makes us uncomfortable. We just, just stay completely away from the things that make us uncomfortable, whether it's holding a child trying to quiet a child. Most men, you know, again, that's the whole sitcom trope is, a, is somebody hands a man a child, an infant, and he looks all awkward and doesn't know how to hold it. He doesn't ask for help. He doesn't say, teach me how to do this. So a lot of us build that unhealthy ego around avoidance of things that are uncomfortable because we are graded on whether or not we are awesome, right? All the way back from being five years old, six years old on the playground, you know, either you're great at kicking the ball or you're a pussy, 
right? It's just like the, it gets very black and white for boys very early on. You know, you're either a great runner or you suck at it. There's no room in on the playground even for just being an okay runner. You're either fast or you're, or you're last. And that keeps carrying through. So we, we develop this aversion to try new things. We develop this aversion to being in what would almost become a, a liminal space, right? On a, a, a space where we're not sure. We're, we're in the doorway, right? Am I, am I good at trying on clothes? Did I pick the right color shirt that matches my eyes? I don't know. Um, can I hold this child and not drop it? I'm not sure. Maybe I can ask for help. Can I express my emotions without being ashamed or without stepping on somebody else's toes and making them feel bad? I don't know. And we've just been trained to avoid those spaces where we don't know because we get teased, we get ridiculed, we don't get jobs, we don't get promotions in most traditionally run companies when we express discomfort when we express a lack of surety, a lack of competence. You know, like it, I look at Men's Health Magazine. I, I need to be like following everything they say in Men's Health Magazine, but it's not pitched toward me. The person on the cover is somebody who's already succeeded at Men's Health, right? He's thin, he's muscular, he looks great, he's well-groomed. There's no Men's Health Magazine for like dumpy middle-aged guys. Wow. <laughs> and in that sense, is that the pressure then to conform? Because what you're saying is that the culture, the conditioning from the time yeah. you're a child is, yeah. is so. And yeah. in essence, maybe you don't even think about it because you're just molded by the environment. And then you end up being an adult, you're grown up, yeah. and then you, you haven't tasted anything different. No. And no, then, and it takes, and it takes, it takes, a, it takes emotional uh, awareness and emotional uh, resilience to even notice that that's going on. Like there I am, I'm in the dressing room, noticing how uncomfortable I'm feeling. So I have a whole conversation with myself just about how uncomfortable I'm feeling. Trying, is this orange really what I want to wear? You know, do I really have to go up another size in my pants? You know, so I'm having that conversation and an awareness of the emotions that, coming up or, that are coming up around them. And then noticing that those emotions, like if, if I hadn't done the work to understand that my emotions are gonna pass, right? They're just gonna pass through me like the weather. Like I would have run out of that store and not made any purchases <laughs> or I wouldn't have gone in the first place. So we need that emotional literacy and that emotional resilience to even notice what's going on for us to be able to, to do the self-care, the this, this self-talk to kind of like calm ourselves down or to notice that the emotions aren't going to last, to be able to, to stay in relationship. I had to be in relationship with myself in that dressing room. That's, we're not even taught, there's not even another person there, Alejandro. It's, it's not that complex, but to be able to be in relationship with our loved ones, to be in relationship with our bosses, with our, with our direct reports to like, wow, I'm really angry about how this is showing up right now. I, I don't like how my direct report is uh, completing or not completing their task. Can I figure out how much of it is about me? How much of it is about my fear that I'm going to be uh, graded by, what, by what's happening with my direct reports? Can I calm myself down enough to give that person the mentoring and they need the information that they need? Or am I just going to give them a scowl and tell them they're not good enough? 
you know, my father had a, my father had a scowl that was just, it was so subtle. And I, and I got it even before I was 10 years old, before he died, that was just a little bit demeaning, a little bit like, oh, this kid, this kid. And he was a loving, loving dad, but that destroyed me as a six-year-old. Getting that little scowl just destroyed me as a six-year-old. And I know now that he got that scowl from his grandfather, from his father. Like we've been carrying that, we've been carrying that scowl for how many, however many generations. And so we're all attuned to that right now. And I'm giving it now. I give it to my wife. I give it to my, to my nephew sometimes. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. There it is. There it is. That like looking down on somebody else. And I really don't mean to be doing it, but it's just coded, coded into my, into my genes and how I behave. So, you know, can we as men support one another so that we can do the work to go, okay, I'm feeling X. I'm feeling frustrated. Why am I feeling frustrated? Because I'm scared somebody else is going to judge me based on what you're doing. Okay, can I set that aside long enough to support you as my wife, as my employee, as my partner, as my kid, and step away from my own fear for just a second? Of course, I'm afraid of how I'm going to be judged. Of course, I want to look good in front of my boss. But I can, can I set that aside for just a second so that I can be with you, my direct report, and give you the support that you need to do a great job or to say the boundaries like, Hey, Alejandra, that's, <laughs> we talked about this, man. That's not working. That's you, you, you really need to be doing better or we're going to have to write you up or we're going to have to look at moving you to a different part of the company or whatever it is. So you're articulating that the value in understanding your emotions, this emotional literacy is so that, and I've heard you use this word so that you can, you can honor how you feel, yeah, <laughs> but at the same right. time, not, not necessarily be controlled by it in a sense that you will take action that may not be effective or action that could be detrimental to that situation. Is that because yeah. I, the, the pushback I get and in, in having done training, I remember going into yeah. a training, interpersonal skills. This one guy said, why are we talking about feelings? Yeah. This is about business, Alejandro. I don't want to hear about emotions and feelings yeah what what feeling was coming up for him in that moment do you think <laughs> what was what was what emotion was coming up for? he was probably really uncomfortable right like nobody's ever helped me nobody's ever helped me alejandro figure out what my emotions are please don't make me do something that i'm deeply uncomfortable with i know i will fail and everyone will point and laugh please don't make me do this yeah, for sure. You know, we, you and I talked about this before, before when we were preparing for this podcast, you know, it's like, try and tell somebody on a sales team that emotions are, are unimportant. It's like, those guys and, and, and women are doing everything they can to, to match and mirror, understand the emotions of the clients, because we make decisions based on emotions. If there is a study done that uh, with some participants, not participants, with some study subjects that had had their amygdala damaged by cancer or by disease and the amygdala is where emotions happen in our brain. Those folks with damaged amygdalas can't make decisions. Our emotions are critical to us. They are the thing that helps us decide, okay, well, yes, I could get that toothpaste or that toothpaste. If you don't have your emotions intact, you're going to stand in front of the aisle of the toothpaste aisle forever. You're just dumb. You're, you're, you're stuck there. You know, uh, I, I'd like to, I'd like to be with this person, but I'd like to be with that person. They're both, uh, beautiful and intelligent. You know, how do I decide, you know, um, I'd like to go with this vendor or that vendor. Where are my emotions? Well, I feel, I trust this vendor. I feel comfortable with who, who's running that company. That's an emotional thing to say that there's no emotion in businesses is, is crazy. 
crazy. Um, yes, we need to pay attention to numbers. We need to look at the bottom line. That's definitely a way to gather information, but the, that needs to be combined with the, the relationships that we have with one another and whether or not we feel trust, whether or not we feel secure around one another, whether or not we feel intrigued by one another. And think about the number of times you've gone into business with somebody just because you're like, I think that person has something that I want, not necessarily their product, but how they are. You know, that's, that's what I decided when I was 14 with those guys, those mountaineers and backpack leaders who were in their thirties, my mentors, like I want what they have. I want that sense of being secure and moving through, moving through space and knowing how to carry a backpack and knowing how to talk to one another. I want that. That intrigues me. So, yeah, I mean, if, if folks in business are saying, I don't want to do this, I understand it. I get it. It's, we haven't been rewarded for it. Men have not been rewarded for being emotional creatures. And we are just as emotional as women. Again, another study that, that, just came out that used cell phone apps to track uh, emotional responses throughout the day. And men had just as many emotional responses throughout the day as women. We tend to, we tend to have fewer names. We tend to be like, I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm happy. People who have more emotional literature who have been rewarded for having emotional literacy will be, well, I'm, I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm jealous, I'm scared, I'm joyful, I'm happy, I'm content, you know, kind of a broader range of words to describe what, what's going on. But we're the same critters. To say that women are more emotional than men is not true. They just, it's okay for them to express and name their emotions. Whereas for men, we've been told that that's not okay. I like the point that you made that they haven't been rewarded for the emotional literacy. And as I think of that gentleman or other people that I met in business, the rewards that we have are scorekeeping. Yeah. And if, hey, if I have a great salary, if I have a corner office, I think growing up as a guy, and for some women too, I think this, this yeah. goes into play, but definitely from my experience, other people that I've known, other guys that I've known, you get that level of success and then you can easily say, why are we talking about emotions, man? L look around here. I've been successful, <laughs> but maybe because we have been repressing. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's the question yeah. or how I want to maybe proceed here because we repress it. Yeah. So then how do we begin to step into it? That's such a great question. And, and what I can say just to relieve some fears that, you know, a lot of fears that men have about their emotions is that if they start feeling them, they're just going to be swamped and they're going to lie in bed blubbering or they're going to go tra-la-la through the field, you know, high and, and tripping. And, <laughs> and neither one of those things are exactly true. There is a way to develop a relationship with our emotional selves and to honor those emotions without going all the way overboard. James Hillman in his book, he talking about the psychology of men talks about the difference between emotions and moods. And those of us who have a relationship with our emotions, allow them to pass like weather through us. Those of us who don't have much of a relationship with our emotions get stuck in moods. We get stuck in anger, which ferments into rage and disappointment. Uh, or we might get stuck in, you know, tra-la-la joy and, and, you know, quit our job and quit our relationship and put on a white uh, shirt and, and go live in Sedona. Um, those are moods. Those aren't emotions. 
So, so mood is, is, is a mood longer? Can you define what you yeah, mean by mood? Yeah. Because that, that can yeah. be confusing emotion. Yeah, with Hillman, yeah it's, like, it's like the weather versus climate, right? So um, a mood is like climate. A mood is like, I'm always depressed. I'm always anxious. I'm always overjoyed. I don't really trust people who tell me that they're always overjoyed. I don't think that's, I don't think that's legit. But uh, yeah, so a mood is like a climate. Whereas an emotion, I'm feeling really angry and frustrated right now. That's going to pass. I'm going to be better later. Yeah, that's one of the things. So just to, to, to go back to answer your question, though, it's just like, can you carve some time out in your day to notice what you're feeling and to go ahead and name it? And if the names escape you, if you don't know the difference be, between frustration and anger, that's okay. My friend, uh, uh, my friend uh, uh, D. Spittler says there's just two emotions, fear and love. So if you can just start with those two, fear and love, what are you feeling right now? I'm around my kid. I'm, you know what? I'm feeling both fear and love. I love my little boy and I'm so afraid that he's going to run out in the street and get it, right? You can have both emotions at the same time. So just name them. You don't have to spend a lot of time with them. You don't have to worry you're going to get stuck in them. Can you name those emotions? And if that's not working for you, can you try some journaling? Can you do a little bit of meditation? And I'm talking like five minutes of meditation. We're not talking about spending hours and hours of meditation. Can you spend five minutes quiet and it sucks. It's terrible. I, every now and then I try and get back into it. It's really uncomfortable. My, what I notice in meditation is not calm. I notice my head spinning, right? It's spinning. And all that mindfulness meditation is supposed to be, but it's just like noticing, oh yeah, your head is spinning. Most of the time I just go through my day with my head spinning and I'm not aware that my head is spinning, but to sit down for five minutes and be like, okay, my head is spinning because I'm excited about my new projects. I'm afraid they might not work out. I'm so curious what's going to happen. Uh, I'm really anxious because I care about this so much. So just being able to take that time and again, guys, it'll, it's going to be okay. That's going to pass. That anxiety is going to pass. And if it doesn't, you know, if your anxiety becomes a mood, if your sadness or, or worry becomes depression, becomes a mood, then you probably need to reach out and get some help. And that's okay. A lot of fear around emotional literacy is the fear of like, I'm going to find out that I'm completely effed up. Maybe, but wouldn't you want to know that? Wouldn't you want to know mm. that? Yes, you've been suffering from depression all this time or that anxiety is holding you back from, from what you want to do. Some really great insight there from our friend, Charles Matthews. I told you you would enjoy and get a lot out of this podcast. We'll have to pause here and pick up on part two in our next podcast. If you want to reach out, feel free to email me at lifeathletespod at gmail.com. That is lifeathletespod at gmail.com. We also have Charles's information in the show notes, and you can find him there. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is adding value to you, please go to iTunes or go to Stitcher, rate and review us because that helps us to build this community and deliver content on a regular basis. Until next time, friends.